Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And here we are, rugby fans, episode 121, of course, of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A quick reminder for those of you tuning in, my name is Ty the Sapper Braga. Joining me is Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and Scott the Big Guy himself, Ferrara. We are, of course, your team here for the Rugby Rant. And what we do here is talk about rugby in North America because we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time. And we're going to be back in a moment to share the around the pitch news, things you should know from across the rugby realms. This ball represents the game we love. A game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most. Because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us shopmlr.com today. So, gentlemen, once again, you know how it goes. Fans tuning in know how it goes. And what we need to do is rapid fire around the table something important that fans should know about or learn about. We're going to start it off with Rob. Yeah, thanks, Ty. Uh, I just want to, you know, I'm a big fan of collegiate rugby, of course, because I think it is the lifeblood of rugby in the United States in our own way. That's how we, you know, that's a way in which our, a lot of our American players both develop and find the game. Uh, And so I want to celebrate in keeping with our, one of our more recent interviews with with NCR's uh, uh, Jeremy Treese. Uh, the collegiate rugby all-stars happened uh, for, for men's. It was two weeks ago in 15s in at Aviva in Houston. Uh, it was a national shield challenge, July 14th, uh, sorry, January 14th and 15th. And the women's was in sevens on January 21st. Um, the men's had over 300 players from 105 colleges representing 34 states. And we saw the independent reds uh, beat pack coast, I believe, um, and, and win the men's championship. And then the women's champions were in sevens and, uh, what a great opportunity it was for young players to show their wares on a national stage at a MLR stadium. So kudos to both the men's and the women's that represented their respective parts of the country, including yeah. rugby. And I love the fact that you also highlighted that we had the opportunity to chat with, uh, Jeremy Treese. 
about the decisions that led to being able to have it hosted there in Houston, what other venues might have been chosen. Again, as a reminder to our fans, if you haven't seen that interview, go back and check it out online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can find it on our social media in our traditional run, pass, or kick interviews with Jeremy Treese, uh, the CEO of the National Collegiate Rugby Programs. So uh, thank you for that, Rob. And let's hand it over to Scott. What do you got? Hey, fellas. So we're going to be talking about the women's sevens program. Um, they had an unbelievable run in Hamilton, uh, New Zealand this past weekend for their HSBC sevens tournament. And uh, they opened up undefeated in pool play on the back of a Cheddar Emba hat trick against Spain and Nia Tapper popping a double against Ireland um, coming all the way through, unfortunately lost to the black ferns for a silver medal, um, but silver medal for the women bronze medal for the men. Uh, Perry Baker 60th tournament. There are a lot of milestones. I think this is the first time since like 2019 that uh, both men's and women's team medal medaled in the same tournament, <clears throat> I believe. Um, and I believe it's back-to-back medals for the women. Uh, they got bronze in the last tournament. Um, so listen, we're seeing uh, great play for our sevens teams. They're moving on to Sydney. Keynote, Jazz Gray got injured, unfortunately, in that match against New Zealand. Uh, she's going to be coming home and replaced by Sarah Levy. Sarah Levy is another speedster. Man, these these two girls like they're skating. They look like they're skating on grass. So watch out. The Sydney Seven is going to be wild. Yeah, and it's excellent to be able to see this run of form because it could have actually eventually mean it continuing. They actually get automatic qualification for the next Olympic Absolutely. Games, which of course, you know, mm-hmm. the pinnacle of the sport to receive an opportunity like that to represent your nation at the Olympics. Good shout out there from uh, Scott. I'm going to turn it back to uh, Major League Rugby for a moment. Um, And we got one prop in and one prop out on the transfer lists over here. So what do I mean by that? Uh, San Diego uh, prop, Patty Ryan, went overseas to Japan, if you're not familiar with, um, has decided to be able to stay there with a League One side entitled the uh, the Black Rams. Uh, He divulged this information on social media and also saying that he unfortunately will not be returning to San Diego much to uh, the dismay of many fans. Uh, and of course, this, the, the, the side itself, really, I mean, they had planned to be able to have an experience number three there. Um, right now, I'm not sure who might be filling that spot, but it looks like San Diego might be shopping uh, for a new player. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But we got another prop in coming in is the Argentine Romero Herrera. Uh, if you're not familiar with who this name is, uh, what this guy does, he's an Argentinian national player had honors at the Rugby World Cup 2015. He competed in the semifinal as the starting player and, in fact, was one of the standout players in that match that led to their success. He's going to be coming in as a little bit of an older 33-year-old to old glory DC. Uh, they'll be looking to bolster their, uh, their, their front row there. It'll be interesting to be able to see what type of influence he will have and how long he might stick around. Um, but it's uh, one prop in and another prop out. So it's uh, those are some of the changes in MLR and I wanted to highlight MLR for a moment before we go in any further uh, because in a moment gentlemen we're going to be sharing our thoughts as a team on the recent rebranding of Rugby ATL. It's been a hot topic online, and we're going to continue that discussion alongside two of our guest ranters joining us is Rick Collins and Daryl McCormick. They'll be discussing how we think it went in the reveal and how perhaps it should have gone as well. Um, But for all those fans that have already enjoyed the reveal of their kits, go out and check it out on shopmlr.com. All of the kits that have been revealed are posted online through 
their store. It's your opportunity to grab your kit before the season arrives, which is really just around the corner. And the best benefit of all is that it is on many occasions, assuming your order comes in before 2 p.m. PST on that day, it will ship out the exact same day. This is a major shift, I'm sure, for folks last year who were waiting halfway through the season and only getting their kit. I mean, I don't know when you got your gear, Scott, but I know some people were waiting uh, until uh, probably the fourth game into the season to be able to put on their jerseys, right? Um, so so this is a major step in the right direction. Same day shipping. Go and check them out on shopmlr.com. And on that note, we'll be back in a few moments to be able to give you that promised rant edition, talking about the rate uh, the Rugby ATL Rattlers rebrand of whatever they're calling it. We'll be back in just a moment. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans. It's that time when we do what we do here on the Rugby Rant, and that is debate all the inside scoops of rugby across the U.S. and abroad. And here in particular, we're going to be talking about a hot topic that has taken over social media. All the rugby circles in domestic rugby have been lit on fire in what is best described as the dumpster fire of rugby ATL. Now, what am I talking about? First of all, you probably already know, but let me put it in context and who's here to help us figure it all out. Recently, Rugby ATL decided somehow by surprise to most fans of Major League Rugby that it was time to do an entire 180 and change everything they've been doing. How do they do it? With a change of color, a change of logo, a change of policy, a change, a change, a change. But is change good in this case and to help us figure that out we have brought in of course some of our regulars we reintroduced to the show first up daryl mccormick welcome back thanks guys great to be here well, it's always a pleasure to be able to have you here as our resident ATL fan and our authority on the subject close to the ground. But joining us, you normally know him from the Jackal's Den, of course, representing Dallas. But on this occasion, certainly happy to throw his hat and shirt into the conversation, um, is Rick Collins. Welcome back, my friend. Yeah, I've I've got it. I I loved the logo. I actually I believe I was the person who initially uh, put Rattler as the nickname on Reddit, mm. and that was several. Can years we get a confirmation back. of that? I think we need. <laughs> uh, I think it's confirmable. <laughs> I think it's probably in there. So, but it, it, I always thought, dude, the snake is awesome. I have friends that have played there, Zach Mizell. 
uh, several other guys that I played with actually in sevens uh, a while back from Arkansas State, my days with the Quins. And um, I, you know, I just, I love the color scheme. The color scheme represents Atlanta. I don't know what they're talking about with these well, other colors. We haven't even started the ranch yet. Well, calm I'm, down. I'm here to rant. Here to rant. <laughs> Try to take this time. Yeah, yeah. Try to take Dallas yeah, time away from him. Rick has had a couple of shots. He's yeah, teared up. He's ready to go. Slow down a little bit. He started that social early, fellas. I haven't even introduced the other guy. Jeez. First time. Last time. Last time. So hard to find good help these days. Um, so with that being said, let me finally introduce to my uh, cohorts here with Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And of course, you know, Scott, the big guy for Ryan. I am Ty, the Sapper Braga. And uh, as Rick had pointed out, um, we're here to be able to talk about the colors, the branding, and all that type of stuff. But we're going to frame this conversation in two parts. One part, how was the rebrand set up and executed? And in that way, we want to make sure that we cover the, your thoughts from each one of our ranters here. But finally, on the second part, is the aftermath and how it's been received by our greater rugby community, in particular, those closest to rugby ATL, the fans, the rattles, uh, sorry, rattlers as they're being called now. Um, but uh, we'll get into that in a moment. So those are the two key takeaways that we want fans tuning into our show to be able to hear from you gentlemen. And to be able to start us off, I want to make sure that everybody understands what has transpired. Recently, on the 23rd of January, a press conference was held online through Facebook Live. And that was in conjunction with the management and operations leaders at Rugby ATL and the fans who had the opportunity to participate through Messenger or Facebook posts to ask and propose their questions to learn more about how these decisions were made and who was included in them. And we've got some insights to share about that. Now, at its peak, there was over 150 people participating and asking questions. So there was obviously a lot to be able to cover for them, perhaps overwhelming at times, you could argue, uh, but we encourage you to go and check that out. But the main key player in all of this is somebody by the name of Amanda White, who is recognized as the president of business operations, somebody who's not typically seen to be at the front sharing these messages up until now, but has been a part of the organization from its earliest days. Perhaps one reason why she might have been chosen to be the bearer of this news. But is it the bearer of bad news? That is the true question here. And to be able to start us off, we're going to offer the floor to Daryl. All right. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, this was uh, actually I got a little bit of a heads up from this from a uh, little birdie told me uh, somebody by the name of Rick Collins. I don't know. There's, there's something that came down the pike here. Don't give him more my time. This guy, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, this guy, this guy, you know, right. So um, I actually kind of had a little bit of a heads up that something was uh, coming down the pike. Um, and so uh, I was hoping that it wasn't true, but unfortunately uh, it is. So uh, it, as you may be well aware by now it has not been well received by the fan base in Atlanta or rugby ATL fans in general. Um, just an extreme, if you follow the rugby ATL fan page, uh, somebody took a survey a couple of days ago. Uh, it was 90%, 95% at one point uh, disliking disapproval. Uh, and that's pretty strong, uh, pretty strong message from, from the fan base. And uh, even on my Facebook page, um, I had quite a bit of uh, 
most folks were, you know, they want to be supportive. They want to support the players. They want to support the coaches, but they're just, they're just gut checked by this thing. Cause it's a complete 180. I mean, how do you take really, I mean, okay, think about it. Why do you rebrand a team? Why did Washington Redskins become the Washington commanders or Cleveland? A lot of times you rebrand for a serious reason. Okay. It's, it's, you know, those are serious, serious issues where you have to have that conversation because there's a hell of a lot of expenditure and time, money, blood, sweat, and tears to do a rebrand. We're talking about a professional rugby team in the United States. It's an extremely tiny market. We don't have a large fan base. We really, beggars can't be choosers. We can't afford these kinds of mistakes uh, to damage an already small but very important fan base. And I just think that the damage is is pretty deep and it's going to take a long time to recover. And you could tell that uh, on the on the live uh, feed tonight. It was it was dark and uh, it was it was unfortunately very painful for any everyone involved. So on a larger scheme, I hope MAMLR is paying attention to this as well and uh, lessons will be learned. So, uh, but yeah, it's the whole rebrand was done and, and she, and Amanda even admitted uh, that she has made a, a terrible mistake. Um, so now the damage is done and where it goes from here it remains to be seen. Well, it sounds that what you're saying is that there's a lot of trust that's been lost in the organization and, and the relationship between the fans. And one, and, and when we do kind of know that the general rugby fan will support what rugby is available, but they also tend to want to have a say in how it's being represented. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a lot of the sentiments that we're hearing from people online is that they felt like they needed to be able to have some, some inclusion. Yeah. Um, so let's turn our attention over to Rick. Um, now is the time for you to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you have a timer? I'm getting a red card on this. <laughs> so um obviously i, I i'm not going to take credit for revealing it although it does seem based on um some response that i got from a connection that uh i uh messaged with that actually she almost specifically called me out for uh revealing the information too soon and that wasn't what they wanted to happen um let's be honest as soon as you trademark something, it is public information. So that trademark is available right. to see. And as we've looked the last three, four years with the way expansion has worked in MLR, we are all looking at those. Tra- what, who's coming next? Is mm-hmm. it going to be, is Miami coming? Is Las Vegas coming? Is it St. Louis? You know, all these trademarks are popping up here and there. Some are working out, some aren't. But as soon as that trademark becomes public information, Everybody finds out about it. It's a small community. We all know each other. So this is, I mean, for them to blame the fact that a fan found their information online is, is ridiculous. The way she treated the fans in the letter that she wrote and, and look, I'm a Jackals fan. I'm, I'm by no means a rugby ATL fan. I have, Friends that have played there, played for life, and everything. Friends Some of my that best friends are rugby ATL people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is a young league. We want to be supportive of the right. identities of right. all the the, the fan groups, right? We we are yeah. communicating regularly because we want to go visit each other. We want to hang out, have beers mm-hmm. together, enjoy the camaraderie and the competition. So the fact that you know they're going to come and do this at this point like weeks before the season starts, right? Uh, reveal this. 
Um, and you have Chicago, who just revealed their colors like two months ago, three months ago. And now we're looking at basically a very similar color scheme, very similar logo look. And then you're talking about taking away the red, black, uh, gold, uh, gray, white that is, you know, predominant amongst all the professional teams in Atlanta. Are you kidding me? Like to to be able to say we could like do a crossover with the Falcons and have some cool jerseys that are rugby ATL football jerseys with the same colors and everything. That's a badass opportunity in the future, right? And you're going to go with this color scheme that, uh, let's be honest, it's just, it's not particularly pretty. Uh, when I look at it, it looks like something you would do for, you know, like a low-level minor league baseball team where you're just trying to be really different. And the and to me, the excuses of, you know, we wanted to change and have change and change is good and you'll learn to like change. Change at this level, when you're talking about change, we think, okay, a new coach, right? Maybe right, a new right. GM to freshen things up when things aren't going well, like, you know, what's happened with the Jackals. But to go ahead and, and change around the logo and, and the theme and um, the uh, basically get rid of the lot, Rattler altogether and then for her to call the fans Rattlers, I was just, it was embarrassing to me. So um, I'm I'm so disappointed for rugby ATL fans. Right, because, and I want you to clarify that just oh. for a moment, that part, because uh, it's an important one. Not all fans who aren't so connected to, to, to rugby ATL might understand the difference between calling the team Rattlers and calling a fan of the team a Rattler, um, which is a clear distinction between the two that was kind of blurred in this letter right you can and then in the press conference too. you can literally see the den dog sign behind me we don't call ourselves jackals the team mm-hmm. is the jackals those are the what? jackals we're the den dogs dogs whatever you want to call us but we're not jackals right in a similar vein like it's in the cohort in san diego there you right go. that's the it's thing. own identity it's exactly and you don't confuse the legion Right. Yes. As you know, players or, or organizations. We're not we're not the players, we're the supporters, and we 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 want to have our right. own identity as supporters of the club. And to me, she just doesn't get that. I don't know if it's her, the organization, mm-hmm. but the way she spoke makes me believe it's her that she doesn't understand that. Well, in the, in the letter, she refers to herself as you know, being responsible. I, I, mm-hmm. I is a few times. Um but regardless whether it's her own personal opinion, which obviously it isn't because she's representing the business too right. um, and the organization, it is, it's the greater rugby um, uh, minds of that organization that are driving that sentiment too. And, and it sounds though to me in two parts that I wanted to be make sure that we hone into. We don't miss the real takeaways here for yep. fans tuning in. One, do you think that the buildup to the reveal was handled correctly? And in this case, it sounds like a hard no for you because it, the attention was not in the right direction. Whereas, oh, we didn't handle the buildup and the reveal correctly because a fan spilt the beans first. Let's look at let's look at what New York did. And Scott, I hate to blow fire up, put my nose up Scott's butt, but the way that Rooney smells good though handled the the release of the iron workers mm-hmm. and you know a lot of us like well iron workers whatever mm-hmm. it's kind of re- 
But honestly, the way they revealed it and the way that they handled it, connecting it to the city of New York, like that made a lot of sense. I was like, this is great. The way they did it is great. Now, whether the decision was right or wrong, that's, you know, for everybody to kind of decide on their own. But the way they did it was right. The way Rugby ATL handled this, in my opinion, terrible. Okay. And do we want to make sure that we keep moving this around the table? And I'm just going to hand it straight over to Rob because it looks like he's ready to go. So I'm going to speak on this um, and and take a few few parts from the letter just to talk about the actual rebrand, not necessarily about uh, the response in and of itself. But what was interesting in the rebrand is you talked about, uh, uh, you know, uh, Amanda White talked about the need to disrupt and be bold, to take uh, our place amongst major uh, sports teams in Atlanta as one of the as the rationale for doing so. And I thought to myself, there's nothing in my mind that's bold or disruptive about the logo and the identity created. To me, it was, it looked like you could have gone back into the seventies and it was something the Padres would have put out, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the color scheme, et cetera. There's nothing bold about the color scheme. If you want to go to a bold color scheme, look at the PR sevens headliners, you know, the yellow, the bright pink, the orange, that's bold, mm-hmm. right? Nothing about this rebrand was bold. And secondly, you know, what's wrong with, you know, connecting to the already existing, pre-existing sports identities in a sports market, right? They, she talks about it like it's a bad thing. My concern is in Seattle, they have one of the most, most robust fan bases right. in the league. And the part of the reason why is those people identify with the Seawolves colors that are connected to, you know, Perfectly the Seahawks. Right. And so, you know, it's like, why is there that need to break away from that? Right. You, you, you can coexist and build on that identity and then make it your own, which I think the 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 Rattlers did as an organization by bringing in the, the snake. I mean, I, I, it was a pie in the face to a, a U.S. Eagle, Chance Wangaluski. Who yeah. spent so much time devoting himself to putting up the mural and putting it in the floor. And, and, and that was actually in. one of the comments online. Um, yeah. Alexander, I'm going to forget the last name. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you got a 20 foot mural, which is kind yeah. of a, a, a you know a, a call to 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 arms for everybody there, galvanizing right. around that that theme. By the way, the name you're looking for is Alex McDonald. He was a Alex, former rookie player. Yes. Uh, he lives down in the Carolinas and, and knows a lot of the guys yeah. down at Life. Right. right. And thank you for helping me with that one. And and the, the, the point that you brought up there is that's part of the identity and right. it stood, you know, and people knew what it was. Carry and, on, and, and the fan base had kind of embraced it, too. From what I understand, a lot of the fans just naturally yeah. started bringing shakers with beans in them. And yeah. when things would happen, they'd shake those up like a rattlesnake. Exactly. I mean, that's the kind of organic identity that can be developed within pre-existing sports you know, and you don't have to pay for it. And you don't have to pay for it, right. And people, but you do a people are loyal. <laughs> yeah, People become loyal. Fans become loyal. Why? Because they've taken some ownership of things right. that are going on. Why do you disrupt that? I just think it was a mistake in that regard. And lastly, last piece, sorry, gentlemen, but I'm going to tell you, I've heard from two separate sources that the Hounds, the ATL made a stink when the Hounds turned in their um, I, you know, not only their right. brand, but also their shirt colors. They originally wanted a green and ATL race distinct because it looks remarkably of what you would have seen come out of the hounds. People that are fans of the hounds wanted to see a green Jersey. Right. And they were wondering, you missed the mark. Why? The answer is because ATL complained about it and two separate sources, independent sources have confirmed that. So um, it's troubling when you hear things like that. 
And it wouldn't surprise me at all um, because, yeah, I was one of those people that expected to be able to see a green predominant uh, uh, color in a hound's kit, right? So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it ended up being that way. Um, but it also goes to be able to show how influential the ownership circle and management mm-hmm. of Rugby ATL must be uh, for MLR to be able to go yes to one and no to another, even though clearly the one has more of an identifiable brand associated to that color than the other. But is it a question of who was there first? The letter suggests that they had this planning for eight months in advance. Okay, great. Then why was your rollout so poorly handled? And that's what and, a lot of fans are asking. And why weren't the hounds told immediately then, hey, you can't yeah. use the green? Well, probably because they only had two weeks to figure it out and they did a better job. <laughs> but but more so, more so is um, if it was eight months, how many times along the way could you have stopped and said, mm. could we include these people how about this? What about that? Where are the players in between? Where are the fans in between who could have been consulted? And this kind of goes back to your original point, Daryl, about how fans have felt and the reaction to it being 95% in the negative or 90 to 95%. Um, but Rob, one thing that I want to be able to have as a takeaway there that I will give you a credit to not only on this occasion, but every time you've mentioned it before, and you've been a really, really great proponent of this is pushing the fact that you need to be able to let fans decide the idea identity of who of their supporters club um gold diggers cohort um you know the list can go on to be able to involve jackal den of course but all of these things have evolved organically was what you had yes. said um so why wouldn't you let that blossom you okay. know why wouldn't you let that exist in the way and continue to do so especially when it is free was one of the earlier points hi one of the things that was brought up scott i'm sure you heard this as well is they're trying to create their own supporters club group stop taking my goddamn points are you kidding me stop taking my goddamn points so let's get let's get hot Listen, Rick's been cooking. Let's get hot. So the first thing I was going to say is for eight months, you didn't listen to the fans and that you wanted to promote a fans club that you're going to run. And as we see with, uh, you know, I, as much as Rick doesn't like blowing smoke up my butt, although I usually pay extra for it, you know, I, I have started an organically grown, you know, Rooney supporters club. Rick started something organic. My relationship with Rooney, they came to me and said, we want to be part of you. Rick, had a different back and forth with the team, right? There's some other supporters groups that are supported by the team. There's some other supporters groups that are not, but I think it's funny to say, to give them a couple of, of saying I screwed up by not involving the fans and then keep pushing down their throat. Oh, I want you to join the fan club is one team. Uh, one thing um, that was, that was going to be one of my main points. Um, as far as the, the, the rebrand itself and the way they rolled it out. The other thing that I didn't like, listen, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't really want it to be like shit all over these people. They're doing what they can do to do the job. Right. But yep. the way in which they do it. So I'm going to go through some of my questions and, and tell you the ones they answered and how they answered. So my first question was about timing and they kind of answered that in the preamble. So I wasn't too upset that they didn't answer that one. The first, the second question I asked were any senior players actively involved in the rebranding process over the eight months, they said they weren't necessarily actively involved as much as, as they were going through the phases, they were showing some of the senior players and you know, coaching staff and rugby operations people what they were looking at and how they were going to change it. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, we know year to year who's around. You know, they might not have a senior core there while they're doing this. Okay, I, I understand that. Um, the next thing, the next question was, 
Um, what are the benefits of changing the A from the past font to the current font? They didn't answer that question, you know, because even in the rebranding process, that fonted A look doesn't look good, and the A they had would look good if you yeah. if you put it in the color scheme, and, and you know, and that's one thing that would I think bridge a gap between old and new uh, on uh, for Atlanta fans. Um, the next thing I asked, and this was a question that people were asking kind of in jest about prior, but I thought it was a good question. Do you think the light blue and peach undertones will have MLR fans thinking of the former MLR team that disbanded recently because it's those day glowy colors and you don't often see them in rugby. And traditionally they don't go with white and green anyway. Um, didn't answer the, the uh, second to last question was green is a common color of a snake. And it seems most fans want to keep the snake and the Rattlers brand. Why still look for a different mascot? Because they kept talking about, well, if you have mascot ideas, send them to us. And overwhelmingly, out of 177 comments, like, yeah, 75% of them were talking about, well, we want to keep the Rattlers motif going. And then the last question I asked, which kind of take, took her back, was, did the MLR have any feedback on the rebrand? And this is and in her letter as well, and also in this answer, and prior to answering the this question, she kind of threw MLR and Chicago Hounds under the bus in a way I didn't like. The other thing I didn't like was they kept referencing how it makes the guys feel that the fans don't like this. And to be quite honest, that's just you're, – you're trying to make the fans feel bad for saying what they're saying, their disapproval, by saying the, the guys on the pitch don't like it. I got to be honest. How many of the New York Giants give a shit what the fans think at any point in, in their career – that it's going to affect them on the field. And I got to be honest, if that's what's going to affect you on the field, that's a systemic issue. That's an issue from the top of the fucking organization that that shit's dripping down to the fucking players. And we have seen in the MLR in past organizations, how they function when that shit drips down, right? When, if, if the right. body, if the head's not working, the body's going to die. And we've seen it happen already in five years. Exactly. I didn't want to bring that analogy. I thought it was too much of a softball, Rick. Um, and you, you're taking, you're taking all my, yeah, I know. Exactly. Rick's just avid softball player. As you could tell, I play a little more fast pitch, but my point being it, it was the way they handled it was not right. There was at certain points, I think they forgot they were on camera because the, the people no, because the people there were, were reacting. Their body language was very poor. Here's the other side of it. Here's the other side of it. And Daryl and Rick, you could tell me I'm wrong about this. There were some fans that just wouldn't fucking let it go either. Like they gave you the answer. So they said they're not going back to the black and red and like 12 people asked it again. And I'm like, they, she just answered that. She's not doing it. 12 people asked how, why didn't you involve the fans? And she just said, I just didn't do it. That's on me. Like that was her first, the first thing out of the gate. She said, so maybe those fans came late or whatever, but again, she had answered that question previously. Yeah. So there were some, some of these questions that were, I felt were asked were a little bit unruly and really didn't. If, if you were going to ask an actual question, ask a question. So there was two sides of this thing. So, that's, so let me ask. That's that's part of a, and this I think this is a very common issue because we are an esport. Rugby is an esport in the United States, but because you don't have mainstream media that are you know following the sport, you don't have press conferences with reporters that are following closely that kind of right. have an etiquette and kind of have you know circle the wagons a little bit and kind of have you know, or coming at it from all the angles, but don't step on each other's toes. And that's why it can be kind of difficult when you have an open forum like this um, is my only thought, you know. Well, if they had had an experienced PR person handling the question asking, they would have noted this has already been answered. I'm not going to ask them again about this. And the guy just kept asking the same questions to them. And I was just like, 
dude, well, we're just beating a dead horse here. Move and, and I want to make sure that we stay on the topic here because we're yeah, not sorry. trying to be able to discuss how they handled the press conference, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, Have we're trying drink. to be able to figure yeah. out what led to it and what is the reactions from this here. So one thing I want to circle back around to that Scott brought up is, you know, Amanda White being the, the, the person responsible to be able to speak out. Um, on behalf of, of rugby ATL said, I take responsibility. I should have included the fans. A lot of people now have said, okay, so what was the remedy to be able to create a supporters club that is basically promoted and controlled by the club? Doesn't give them the ability to be mm-hmm. actually truly a supporters club, right? Because that would be going against tradition of what we've had from the other teams, mm-hmm. uh, as we mentioned before. So it's almost like a platitude. And then to be able to say, don't worry, you could still go ahead and wear your old a rugby ATL gear, we'll accept it. I needed your permission. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the other thing. I got to be honest, a lot of the fans also were engaged about ticketing prices. And I thought her answer there was a good answer. You know, so and people were still again, people were yeah. still banging the drum about ticketing. But w- the way she explained it and what she said mm-hmm. made sense from a business standpoint. Right. And she even used other clubs that do the same thing and how they want to expand so past what that. Was that. Some of our fans so they yeah. use so they only were using the middle of Silverback Stadium on right. this year. They're right. leasing out the entire stadium. So with that is going to come more cost game day cost. And they were talking about um, Seattle, you know, when they first started. And that's a 5,000 stadium, right? Correct. You know, when yeah. Seattle started, they only sold the middle sections and then worked their way out when the demand came in. So there's feeling that the demand is there. So ticket pricing is going to go up. And then, of course, people are like, oh, well, uh, it's even more than New York. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys have like 5,000 more seats than or you have like so you have you have. um, It's like 1,500 more seats than we do. Yeah. At Mount Vernon, you know, so it's also back, y'all are splitting costs, right? With a bunch of other groups that go and play at that well, stadium in New York, correct? Well, in well, in New York, yeah, it's a county stadium, so they right. can supplement income right. in other right. ways. And Silverbacks you know? a little bit now. Different. One actually, sorry to interrupt. One question somebody asked that they never answered, and I thought this was a good question that they should have answered. Was said, was there any consideration into rebranding Silverback Stadium? Hmm to an ATL brand right. and bring in more um, commercial entities to uh, uh, um, negate right. some of the costs by American airlines. Yeah. You know, something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but again, the, one of the questions he either didn't see it. Cause I gotta be honest, there's a lot of questions coming in a lot of comments flowing in, huh? that maybe he just missed it, but I thought that was a good question. That's they could have answered. Question. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to take the opportunity here with the minutes that we have remaining um, it, to be able to throw it back at you. Um, I, I challenge each of you to tell me something that you like about the rebrand and what was handled. And I'll start with Scott, because we want to try and offer a bit of a balance. We don't want it to just seem like we're just bashing on an organization and the people who have done some work, although it's clearly uh, uh, being Res, you know, met with resistance, but let's let's challenge challenge what the the course of the conversation here. Scott, tell me one thing you like. I'll go first because I can see Rick is going to struggle with finding something he likes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I get the guys on the back end more time. <laughs> I'll put it this way: I liked, I liked the pitch that they threw about being the disruptor and not being the quintessential Georgia ATL team. Okay. Like I, I understand it. Yeah, that's actually a strength stepping away. That, from that was a strength. That was a strength, and that was a a pitch you you probably should have swung at. Theoretically, but you didn't. You didn't even fucking foul it off. 
You just watched it fucking go by, and it was an 0-2 count. So you liked the concept. Delivery was poor. That shit, it was it was an 0-2 count, and you just pulled the Carlos Beltran in game six and went, that's the end of my playoffs run. I mean, <laughs> just watch that one. Okay. It's, 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 here's the thing, especially when you're talking about the South, there's a thing about tradition that they love. And there's a reason Austin went with, you know, the hook'em horns colors. And there's a reason that, you know, you, you have all of those Atlanta teams are red and black or in the seventies and eighties, red and white. And there's a tradition yeah, there that I think you leverage the existing, you know, and and same thing with New York. Brand. I mean, New York is an orange. Most teams are the orange and blue, or have the blue on them, or the blue and red. You know, so you have those those traditions, and and you know, but that doesn't right. mean you you can't get away from it. But I mean, to really the the thought was there, and I like that thought, but the execution was just. Okay, great. So when I asked you for something good, you still said it was bad. Um, <laughs> no, I said the thought was good. I said the execution was bad. Different. All right, let's hear it from you, Rob. Well, um, it, we are talking about a team in the South, and as we know, the Southerners and their typical charm have a way of offering a, a backhanded compliment. So uh, I'm going to stick with that and suggest that, you know, I, I like – the fact that they tried to connect the colors to something Georgia, you know, the, the canopies are green, the peach color, you know, at the nape of the neck there, right. The base of the neck is, is peach, <laughs> you know, like the peach is grown in the state and the blue is to represent the sky, you know? Okay. But again, it comes down to execution and delivery. And the fact is the way I learned that is not from anything that came out of, of ATL. The way I learned it is from an actual, um, a season ticket holder who mm-hmm. went to an event and it was explained to them. I think I read the same one, and that. I wish I could send a shout out to them, but yeah. I can't remember, I who, it I can remember who it was. But why didn't they put that out? That's well, they did thing, apparently right? at a Is season that... ticket event. Right. But no, not... but don't put that out to the public. So, like Rick, right. let's just go back to Rick talking about the iron workers. They said, you know, the iron workers built the city of New York, and what they do? They didn't just give some crappy tagline like Tri City. They said change the skyline, and then on the jerseys, the past two years have been iconic skyline items for the city of New York. So everything well, ties in video. together, right? There's, there's been a building yeah. Out. Yeah, the video they put out and prior videos of them going to the training right. center of the iron workers okay. stuff, but like. Put that out in public. Okay, so Rob, I want to make sure I understood it. You like the explanation once it was explained to you by a fan. Yeah, um, right, right. I can appreciate the attempt. I, I didn't okay. care for the attempt, but I can appreciate the attempt. Okay, so there's there's a narrative they try to create about the branding yeah. and all of that type right, of stuff. Right, Although, right. again, it sounds like it's a, an execution issue. Right. Um, okay, so let's hand it over to Rick. I I don't totally hate the logo. No, nope, no, nope, try again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you misunderstood the instruction. Um, positive. <laughs> I'm like trying to take a piece of crap in a box and figure out how to sell it. Um, you can't so polish a turd. I, I actually, so I asked, uh, I didn't specifically ask Dustin, but I knew that Dustin would catch on to this. Just asked him to put the, the old color scheme plus some little bit of gold, which would further connect them to ATL teams into that logo. And I thought that's about 90% better than the color scheme that they brought out. I, I, the color, if you just take the colors away, give me that logo for a new team. It's not bad. 
It's, right. it's okay. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. <laughs> it's okay. And I, I think if I didn't have the original, like if I didn't have this or even looking directly at this, but color scheme this on that new logo, I'm thinking it looks maybe a little bit more professional. So I could understand why they want it to make. make I wonder, it. here's the thing. I wonder if there's still an Atlanta Flames trademark out there from the old 80s hockey team, which has a red A. Well, to me, I, I initially looked at it and I thought that looks like a hockey logo. Like yeah. I associated with that. Um, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But you know what, Rick? Your time's done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had you spoken enough. I tried. It over, I tried. <laughs> okay. Let's hand it over to Daryl. All right. Thinking positive. Thinking positive. Uh, I actually um, don't mind the colors. Uh, the logo's not – it's okay. But here's the deal. Uh it's if I hadn't seen Chicago's, I would have been a lot more positive. Okay, I can live with the color. I actually kind of like the jerseys. I think the jerseys uh, don't look; they look pretty good. Well, who doesn't like um, black and white? You know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I, it's 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 positive, but I'll probably the most positive thing. Okay, let me back up a second. So Amanda's been there a year, right? Um, mm-hmm. Nobody's seen her until tonight. I, I mean, I say in that format. Uh, yeah. They've seen it on the sidelines. I think it's even farther back but than that. I think 2019, she said that she was in the organization. Sorry, keep, keep going. Yeah, I mean, but she's she's been kind of a, a very, very person. I've, I've right, seen her right, at headquarters right. a couple of times, and, and she's not a, a super outgoing, at least when I was there, I didn't see her right. outgoing. But anyway, on a positive note, this has been, the scum has been, no, that's the wrong word. It's been brought to the surface, right? And so, that was, sorry, not the personal. That's the wrong. Who would have thought on this show? Like, and this is what I need to do next time to like make it the most awkward rant. He's like, "Tell me something you like about it, gentlemen." Oh, well, it's not bad. No, try again. Uh, The scum of oh, no, try again. It's a tall order. (laughs) But I think I I think he's hitting on something. Sorry, Daryl. Yeah. I think you're hitting on something about the execution of like. So you threw together a color scheme that has four different colors. Instead right. of throwing throwing together a color scheme that has two different colors and doing what every other team in the MLR does, which is have an alternate jersey. So you have your white and green or whatever you're going to have. You have your green and white, and then your alternate is that peach and light blue. And and my point is the game plan has laid, been laid out by other teams. How do you not see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, on Darryl. that note, on that note, oh, though, by the time this show airs, or or maybe just before, just after, I happen to know that that jersey and everything else will be revealed. Um, but Dallas I, still won't. Dallas and it's and I can't remember which one's first and which one's second. Well, to order. be honest, speaking of it, if you look at the video, there's their their kits are in the fucking background on a hanger. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I saw that too. Just saying. Okay. So, so let me let me dive into and share my one thing that I think I kind of do like, although I, I referenced it earlier, I'll come back to it, is to me it does the logo and the font and the way it's structured reminds me of an amateur hockey side, right? But I kind of like the retro feel, but it's just not delivered in the right way. Mm-hmm. What I do like is that you can clearly see the A, then the T, the T and then the L, L in the bottom <laughs> past, uh, right-hand corner. But it's the L that makes me feel like it should be the, the hockey stick, right? The mm-hmm. bend. Yeah. And maybe that's why I feel like it's got a hockey feel to it. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I like it, but not for this team. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, let it be somewhere else. And on that note, we want to be able to ask all of those that are tuning in here, joining this show, joining this rant, uh, to be able to tell us what you think. And of course, we want to be able to have you be as blunt as you like. Uh, clearly, <laughs> this bunch of guys have shared their thoughts quite openly about it. Um, so maybe you can tell us what you like or dislike by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We welcome your comments. You can do so on social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod or alternatively continue to be able to enjoy our content on the rugby network um, but whatever it is we want to be able to hear what your opinion might be gentlemen i think that we've now debated as much as we can from this and the true takeaway is is that the sentiment is is that great a cool idea delivered badly and uh certainly received badly in 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 that way as well by the greater rugby community and certainly those much closer to rugby atl who have been the hardened supporters and the, that supporters club remains to be seen what it may look like as suggested by amanda white it'll be interesting to be able to see where it goes but what we have come to learn about american sports is that everybody likes a winning team so if perhaps you put a, a championship behind your name and people don't care who you are called, because remember this, we once had a team called the Guiltinis. <laughs> what did the famous, famous owner Al Davis say? Just win, baby. Yep, just win. So uh, let's leave it there. And again, thank you all for tuning in and catching this episode. Uh, we'll continue to be able to do this week after week with your help, because we aim to be able to grow rugby one fan at a time. Before we leave here, it's again a big shout out to our two guest ranters, that of Daryl McCormick, representing Rugby ATL supporters. Uh, thank you again for joining us here. And of course, the uh, the forever uh, uh, favorite, um, I don't know what we call this guy now. He's got the man of many talents, the man of many rambles, the man of many whiskeys, um, <laughs> Rick Collins. Always a pleasure, but of course, a great proponent of uh, delivering uh, the supporters' experience at uh, the Dallas Games with the Jackal Den. Make sure that you catch both these boys at a stadium nearby. Again, pleasure to be able to have you here. My, my, on behalf of the gang, thank you for joining us. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys at the next one. <laughs>